0: Listening to the venue podcast. The venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at Southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Decisions. Every day, you have to make decisions, right? Sometimes they're, they're easy decisions. Sometimes they're more difficult. But we all face decisions. Like, are you going to be a Mac person or are you going to be a PC person? <laughs> or really serious, really serious decisions like are you going spicy chicken or regular grilled chicken sandwich or just fried chicken sandwich, right? Very spiritual decision. <laughs> Sometimes it's things like man what am I going to what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear today? Based on the weather or based on what I want to look like. Decisions about where you're going to go to school. Should I go to Texas Tech? Man, that was so close yesterday. Should should I sorry to bring it up. Sorry. Like I'm still hurting too. <laughs> Everybody just leaves. <laughs> I hate you. Or not just where you're going to go to school, but what what is your major going to be? And some of you like my wife always says that she was a uh, we don't believe in evolution, but she says she was evolving in college because she changed her major two or three times, right? So sometimes you, you have to change your decision even in college. Or then you decide, what, what is my, um, not major, what is my career going to be? And then you have to decide, was well, this going to be my career, like, forever, or is it just a short little stint? Then you have the decision of, who am I going to date, and oh, who am I going to marry, and oh, are they the one, <laughs> Decisions, decisions, decisions. And then, are you gonna buy a house? And if you're gonna buy a house, are you gonna, sorry, where are you gonna live? And are you gonna rent, are you gonna buy? Like, How long do you wanna stay there? And what kind of house are you gonna get? And then, how many kids are you gonna have? And some of you are like, I didn't really decide, it just kinda happened, right? And what kind of parent are you gonna be? And what kind of books are you gonna read? What kind of person are you gonna be? Decisions, decisions, decisions. There's a Colombian, excuse me, a researcher from the University of Columbia, name is Sheena Iyengar she's found that in her research that the average person in the states makes about 70 decisions a day that's 25,500 decisions a year and over 70 years that's about 1.8 million decisions does that stress you out (laughs) 1.8 million decisions and here's what I want to tell you this morning Of all those decisions, and as as important as many of them are, only one decision ultimately really matters and has weight. And that one decision impacts, should impact, every other decision you make. One decision. 1.8 million out of your life, at least, unless you just sit at home and do nothing, 1.8 million decisions all comes down to one decision. That decision is, what are you going to do with Jesus? Or or what have you done with Jesus? All the decisions in your life, if you get that one decision wrong, the rest of it ultimately for eternity doesn't really matter. One decision. Now it would be fair to say, why is there so much weight on that one decision? Like all of my life, one decision. Why all of that weight on that one choice, that one decision? I think to answer that question, we have to answer another question. And that question is how do you enter the kingdom of God. You could say another way, how do you become a Christian? How do you get to go to heaven? How do you enter? That question is answered in Matthew chapter seven. So turn there with me, Matthew chapter seven. If you're like, I'm not familiar with the Bible, it's the first book in the New Testament. If you're like, what is the New Testament? Don't be afraid to use your table of contents. Matthew chapter seven. We're going to start in verse 13 here in just a moment. But for over two chapters, Jesus has been giving what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He's been talking about kingdom living, what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God, to be one of God's children, to be part of his people. What does it look like? What does it even feel like to live in the kingdom of God? For over two chapters. And then it turns, it makes a shift in verse 13, where he says, you've got a choice to make. Because here's the reality. No one accidentally just ends up in the kingdom of God. Like, oh, sweet, how did I end up here? It doesn't just magically happen. It's not like you're just moseying along and like, dude, this, is, this worked out well. No, it requires a Decision. It requires a choice. How do you enter the kingdom of God? Chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. It's a command. Enter, like you, you need to do this. Enter, make a decision. Enter by the narrow gate. It's interesting. Jesus, at this point in Matthew, he doesn't yet really unpack what he means by narrow gate. But he would go through the rest of this gospel and through the rest of the gospels we have recorded in Mark, Luke, and John. He would expound on what he meant by narrow gate. And you could say, well, how come he didn't just unpack it all right there in the Sermon on the Mount? I think they weren't ready for it. I think if he had fully explained the gospel uh, as far as like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be crucified I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried and rise again three days later. They'd have been like, what are you talking about? He had just begun his ministry. So he doesn't fully unpack it yet. But he says, enter by the narrow gate. So what does he mean by narrow gate? What what does that mean? You don't have to turn to all these passages. I'm going to read several of them for you. We're going to turn to one in a minute. But but listen to how he would eventually describe that narrow gate. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I talking about himself. this is Jesus talking. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In John 14:6, he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in Matthew 2028 20, I think he kind of talks about how he is the way how it's possible he says the son of man talking about himself came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and then Dr. Luke agrees with this in acts acts 4:12 says there is salvation in no one else talking about Jesus there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So how many ways are there to get to heaven? One. One way. Is it narrow-minded if it's the truth? No. If, if this, I'm getting ahead of myself, it's okay. If this room, it's not, so just don't, want, no one lose their mind. But just pretend, don't, don't, don't pretend. Just imagine if this room was on fire, And there was literally only one door out of here. And I was like, you gotta go to that door. Any other door, you're gonna get in trouble. How ridiculous would it be for you to be like, Brandon, that is so narrow-minded. You're just trying to put me in a box. No, I'm trying to save your life. That's the door. Don't miss it. That's what Jesus is doing. There's one way. Paul, in the New Testament, would describe this as grace. That Jesus made a way, the way for you. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, you're familiar with that passage maybe if you've been around church. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And along that similar line of there being one way, Paul later told Timothy, another church leader in the early church, he said, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and God. And men, the man, the God-man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. That's just a quick skimming of the New Testament, but showing that over and over again, Jesus and the rest of the New Testament writers said, Jesus is the narrow gate. There's one way to get to heaven. There's one way to enter the kingdom of God, and it is who? It's Jesus. But here's the thing, that, that wasn't a new idea to God's people. They didn't know his name. But since Genesis 3, they've been told there would come one who would be a rescuer, who would provide salvation, who would provide the way in, into the kingdom of God. It's like, are you sure that was in the Old Testament? Oh, yeah. Turn to Isaiah 53. So you're going to go backwards in your Bible. Isaiah 53. You can hold your spot in Matthew 7. We're not done there, I promise. If if my Old Testament survey notes are coming back to me appropriately, I think this is about 700 years before Christ came. I want you to read with me, and I'm going to start in verse 4 and follow along there. Surely he this is talking about the Messiah, the coming one. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us Peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, even in the Old Testament, there was this promise of a coming one who would bear the sin, bear the penalty, bear the weight of our sin, of what separates us from God. So he's saying that's how Jesus, even from the Old Testament, that's how Jesus is the narrow gate. That He took on our sin, what we did, the punishment we deserve, so that we can take on His righteousness and enter into the kingdom of God. That's good news. Romans ten says that if you will believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and you'll confess Him with your confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will what? You will be saved. Not like, man, I hope it works out. I hope I'm good enough. No, it's a fact. You will be saved if you cry out to God for mercy, for salvation. John tells us that to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is the narrow gate. He is the way to enter into heaven. He's who you walk through. You just need to believe and trust in him. This is why in Matthew chapter 5, the very first thing Jesus says in a Sermon on the Mount talking about kingdom living, it's what he says in verse 3. Man, it's so cool. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, that is, those who come to God spiritually bankrupt say, God, I I got nothing. Like, I'm a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner. I'm a mess. I I got nothing, but I know that you died for me. I want to trust you. Blessed are those because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How do you enter? It's through Jesus and coming with a broken, poor spirit says, I know I need you. Paul David Tripp, he has an amazing devotional book called New Morning Mercies, but he also has um, a new book, and I can't remember the name of it right now, that's okay. Um, And it's a kind of a devotional book, but it's filled with poems that he's written. I want you to listen to this poem. I have no resume to hold before you. No track record of accomplishments, no letters of commendation, no rights of birth or ethnicity, I hold nothing that would place you in my debt. Nothing that could curry your favor, nothing that would obligate you. (laughs) I wish I had unbridled zeal. I wish that could commend me to you. I wish unbroken obedience would draw your attention. I wish model wisdom and model love would convince you that I'm worthy. But I have none of these things to offer you. I stand before you with shoulders bent and hands that are empty. I approach you with no argument in my mind or words to offer in my defense. I stand before you naked and undeserving, broken and weak, I'm quite aware of the duplicity of my heart, the evil of my choices, and the failure of my behavior, but I am not afraid because I stand before you with one argument, with one plea. This argument is enough. This plea is sufficient. This argument is the only thing that could ever give me courage, rest, and sturdy hope. So I come before you with this plea, your mercy. Your mercy is my rest. Your mercy is my hope. Your mercy makes me bold. Your mercy is all I need. Your mercy tells me you will hear. Your mercy tells me you will act. Your mercy tells me you will forgive. Your mercy tells me you will restore. Your mercy tells me you will strengthen. Your mercy is my welcome, plea, and rescue. I rest in this one thing. You are mercy and you will answer. Mercy has a name. His name is Jesus How do you enter? It's through Jesus. Not, look at all I've done, God. No, it's, I got nothing, Jesus. You're my hope. Why else would we? Come? it would be so foolish for us to come and to worship Jesus and make much of his name if we could do it on our own, right? Like, if I could figure this out on my own, why, why worship Jesus? I worship him because I got nothing and he gave me everything, So he's worth coming and saying, I give you my all. If you're you're here this morning, you're not a believer, it's kind of new to you, and you're like, why are they raising their hands? Why are they saying this? Because Jesus is everything to us. And we don't always act like it because, like the poem says, we have duplicitous hearts, meaning sometimes, it's like Paul says in Romans 7, like, I don't understand why I'm acting like this. I know I want to love Jesus, my heart is for him, but sometimes I act foolish and I forget who I am in Christ. But when it comes down to it, in our heart of hearts, as believers, We love and worship Jesus because he gave us all and we had nothing. So Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. And again, he would later say, that's me. Come to me. It's interesting, the rest, if you're like, bro, you only spent, like, you were only five words in. Don't worry. We're gonna cover the rest of these verses. But I think his point, his call to decision, is just that first sentence, enter by the narrow gate. And the rest of these verses, it's just him warning. I'm not trying to scare you this morning. I would say Jesus is maybe trying to scare you. Get your attention. We're not into scaring people into the kingdom of God, but you need to know what you're headed for if you don't know Christ, amen? So the the rest of this is a warning. He says, I'm picking up in verse 13. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it are many. When it says easy, if I'm honest, as much as I love the ESV probably a more accurate translation, is broad. The gate is wide and the way is broad. So it's this idea of you have this big, beautiful, wide gate and also a broad, wide way. Sorry, I don't know what's going, I'm struggling here again. A broad, wide way to travel, to go. It says many are on it. So lots of people think they're headed to heaven and they're all just traveling together. There's you know, something about a wide gate. You know, I've mentioned earlier, you don't just accidentally end up in the kingdom of God. But when there's a wide gate, you could just kind of walk through. You ever been at an amusement park and all of a sudden you're in this new area of the amusement park and you're like, why, how did I get in here? Like if you ever work at Disney, there's a different places. I can't remember now looking at Catherine here. But there's like, um, now I'm like there's different, there's supposed to be different nations, right, that you can go to. And because of the big gates, you can end up and you're like, I was looking for a hamburger and all of a sudden like, I'm in a place where they have no hamburgers because I'm supposed to be on the other side of the world. How did I I even get over here? It's because you went through a gate and didn't even realize it. He says, a lot of people, they're walking a course in life and they're not even sure why they're where they're at, why they are where they're at. If a way is broad, you know what? I think it's why the ESV translation is okay the way is broad, it is easy. When you have a broad path, you can take all your stuff with you, right? All, all my sin, all my pet sins, I can take them with me because I have plenty of room to bring it all. The problem with the wide, gay and the easy, broad way is what? What's your Bible say? the Bible say? It leads to destruction. What good is a nice, easy, paved road if it takes you to hell? What good is that? He said, man, they're cruising along. Everything is good. They can live life their way, but it's leading them to destruction. It's leading them to hell. If you don't enter the narrow gate, if you don't go through Jesus to enter the kingdom of God, you're not gonna enter the kingdom of God. So that means Buddha, cannot take you to the kingdom of God. I'm gonna switch again, sorry guys. Maybe, maybe I'll sound better if I use Ali's mic. Whoa, hey, why are y'all laughing? Okay. Muhammad cannot take you to the kingdom of God. Doing what feels right, connecting with your, what you may perceive as your inner God, which is just stupid, that can't take you to the kingdom of God. The Bible says, contrary to what a lot of people think, the Bible flat out states, you can't be good enough to get to the kingdom of God. There's not enough you can do. They're like, no, I've earned my way. No, you would get to the gates of heaven and God would say, stop. You're not coming to the right gate. You can't be good enough. And what's scary about the wide gate and the easy way, maybe I'm just weird, but here's how I think of it. You know how in a movie, if, if things are all good and happy and they're headed towards a good destination, there's there's happy music, right? La la la. They're not la la. la. <laughs> anyway, what a weirdo. Turn into a dad every day, Well, you know what I mean. Sorry, more of a dad. Anyways, man, every week I say something. <laughs> Anyways, but if it's interesting, if they're headed to a place of destruction, a bad place. Whether they know it or not, they may all be smiling and having fun, even on their radio in the car or something, maybe they're listening to happy tunes, but as the the viewer watching the movie, you hear this other soundtrack come in, right, of doom and gloom. Even though they don't know it, you're going, oh man, it's about to go down, whatever's about to happen, right? I think so many people in our world, they're cruising along, they've chosen their way, whatever it may be, to try to enter the kingdom of heaven, and they're cruising along, they think they're jamming out, and they're having a good time, but In heaven, God hears a different soundtrack of warning. What if you could hear what God hears? He knows if you haven't chosen Christ, if you haven't come to Christ as the gateway to heaven, then he knows you're headed to destruction. He doesn't hear happy tunes. He hears doom and gloom. Watch out, be careful. You're headed the wrong direction. So he says, look, it's popular, it's cool to go, the, through the wide gate and the easy way, but it's no good because it leads you to destruction. And then he warns you. I think the rest of the verse is a warning. Chapter, or excuse me, verse fourteen: For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So here's the reality. Jesus says, we don't need to get into, like, figuring out how many people that would be foolish, but he says, few people actually come to Jesus. So, here's a quick encouragement for Christians. If it does feel like, man, I just feel like we're outnumbered and, like, there's not a whole lot of Christians. Like, Jesus said that would be the case. Few find it. Few come to Christ for salvation. And because of that, because it's not the popular way, it is difficult, right? Like, I bet there probably weren't too many of you standing in that huge, ginormous line to go to the Tech game yesterday with a Kentucky shirt on. And if that was you, we're glad you're here this morning. But, um, <laughs> but it's difficult to go the opposite way that everybody else is going. That's part of what makes it difficult. It's a narrow gate and it's a narrow way and few find it. It's a narrow gate, mean, meaning, we already said this, but when you come to Christ, you give him everything. So you don't like, cool, I'm a Christian, but I get to keep all my sin. No, he says, no, you're gonna leave that at the gate to come in. It's a narrow way, it's a difficult way. And the context of this is, is the sermon on the mount. Again, he's been talking about kingdom living. He says, yeah, it's, it's not easy to be humble. It's not easy to be a peacemaker. It's not easy when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's not easy to be the salt of the earth. It's not easy to be the light of the world. It's not easy to control your anger. It's not easy to turn away from lust. It's not easy to love your enemies. It's not easy to give to the needy. It's not easy to have a spirituality that comes from within and is not just an external show. It says, it's not easy to walk this narrow path. But is it worth it? Yes, I can go this way. Think about how how dumb this is. Sorry, I want to say a lot. I'm trying to make it simple, okay? How dumb is it to go down this road, even if it's fun and easy, if ultimately and forever it leads me to destruction and hell and torment? How foolish to choose that over going this difficult road if ultimately and forever it leads me to life everlasting with Christ? And in, in the grand scheme of eternity, as difficult as this road may seem, we're gonna get to heaven as Christians and see, man, that little road, that was just a little hop, skip, and a jump. Because I got heaven in front of me of life and that difficult road of walking and living for Christ, that was like this long. and Eternity is this long. And what a shame for people. I don't know if they'll have like the capacity to think about this. Maybe they will. But in hell, if they could look and say, man, I have eternity of separation from God and helplessness and hopelessness and destruction, eternity, I chose that just so I can enjoy this little hop, skip, and a jump of an easy life. Man, what a waste. What a waste. But but I would add to the warning Even though he says the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, it is. He's not. By the way, Jesus isn't pulling any punches. This is not a health, wealth, and prosperity message, right? He's not like, come to me, all your problems will go away. He says, no, it's difficult. It's hard. But have you ever noticed on a road trip, no matter how difficult, or even like a hike, let's say, no matter how difficult the hike may be, if you know you're headed somewhere beautiful and amazing, and if you have good traveling companions, no matter how difficult that hike is, you're okay, right? I would submit to you that because ultimately as believers, we're headed to heaven, eternity with Christ, and because even now our traveling companion is Jesus Christ himself, his Holy Spirit, I would say it's not that bad, amen? It is hard, it is difficult, but it's better because we have Jesus. I mean, I would rather take a difficult road trip with my wife, and enjoy her presence than be on an easy road trip and be with people that drive me crazy. It's not easy, it's difficult, but we have Jesus. So we're gonna, we're gonna move, kind of steer towards a time of response. I wanna say a couple things. If you're a believer this morning, I want you to be encouraged by knowing that the way is hard. Say, so how is that difficult? Your life is gonna be hard. Encouragement. I think it's encouraging because you're not crazy if every now and then you think this life as a Christian is difficult. I think so often we think it's all gonna be easy and just fun, and so we get discouraged. I mean, what am I doing wrong? Y'all, Jesus told, told us it is gonna be difficult. So keep pushing, keep pursuing him, keep going, because in the end, Jesus leads you to life because he is life. Don't give up. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian or you're not sure, I'm gonna encourage you to do what Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. I'm gonna guess in a gathering this size that there are a lot of us here this morning that you've, like, let's just pretend right here is the gate. Let's, let's pretend this is the gate. This is, represents Jesus. Poor representation, but you know what I'm saying. A lot of us in this room, you've been kind of like, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, Jesus seems pretty cool. Like, I'm going to church and stuff. And I don't know, I mean, heaven's over there. But my friends are going this way. This seems like a good idea. I forgot to hit the button, sorry. So I, I'm kind of circling, like, I don't know. Maybe I should. I've done some good things. Maybe that'll get me. And But, man, the Bible says Jesus is the only way. I wanna ask you this morning to quit walking in circles and pacing and thinking and enter. Don't put it off any longer. Like how how is what you're doing, how is that treating you right now? Doing things your own way, putting off Jesus, how is that working for you? Probably not very well. So enter, choose to come into the kingdom this morning by submitting to Christ and calling on his name for salvation, Blaise Pascal, some of y'all heard him maybe in math class. Um, the, uh, uh, Pascal's Triangle, familiar, familiar with that? Or also, I'm, not, I'm gonna mess this other one up. He also, I'm saying this because I think it's important for you to know this. He was a uh, physicist, inventor, theologian. He also contributed to hydrostatics. I don't even know what that is. It just sounds smart. Why well, am I telling you this? Blaise Pascal, when he became a Christian, he also wrote Pascal's Wager. You may have heard of that. He, he thought long and hard about the claims of Christianity. And he wrote books on it. And Blaise eventually said, I'm kind of translating. He lived in the 17th century, so I'm kind of translating for us. He said, ignorance about Christ, about the gospel is one thing. So to say, I had, I had no clue. No one ever told me. That's one thing. But indifference to say, I don't care about Jesus. I mean, I don't really care. Like, yeah, there's some big claims. I don't really know if I care. He said, that is unacceptable. Why is it unacceptable? Why is it a foolish attitude to have, to be indifferent towards the gospel and say, I don't really care. It'll all work out. He says it's foolish because the claims of Christianity are too strong. There's too much at stake. If you just have this indifferent attitude about Jesus of maybe he's God, maybe he's not. You could end up in hell for eternity because of that. Why would you not consider what's at stake? Does that make sense? So don't, don't waste the opportunity. So some of you this morning just need to decide, man, it's time to trust Christ. It's time to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's time to quit relying on my works and righteousness because those are trash. And it's time to start trusting the works and righteousness of Jesus and his resurrected life. Some of you just need to enter this morning, but others of you, maybe like Blaze suggested, you need to start doing the work, the investigation, and I promise you'll find solid bedrock when you dig. But you need to start digging and say, is this Jesus, is this Bible really true? And I'm going to tell you, you're going to find that he is, and when you find that he is, enter. Don't wait. Enter by the narrow gate. You say, man, that's sounds really... Exclusive, it is. There's one way to heaven, his name is Jesus. But it is also incredibly inclusive in that anyone, no matter who you are, can come to Christ for salvation. Amen? If you work at TSA, don't be offended, but Jesus is not like TSA. What I mean is, Jesus as the gate, when you show up to come to him, He's not like, ooh, 4.2 ounces of sin, a little bit too much. He doesn't patch it down to see what's going on in there. Oh, you know, I love it. My, I asked permission to share this, with my wife's dad, he was going through TSA in Lubbock, and then he went through the machine. and They said, sir, can you hold on for a moment? And they kind of felt around his belly, and he, they said, yep, that's all you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the cool thing. Jesus doesn't have to do a pat down and inspect you because he sees right to your heart. And even if you do come to him, you've got some extra baggage. If you're willing to leave it with him, surrender it to him, he says, come on through. This flight, this destination is heaven. It's gonna be some turbulence on the way. It's gonna be bumpy, but you can trust me. I don't care what you bring to the gate. If you'll leave it with me, I'll let you through. I'll let you into the kingdom. So the question is, if you don't know Christ, why are you waiting? He didn't pull any punches. He's the way. You don't turn in for salvation, you're you're not gonna go to heaven. So this morning, we're we're gonna change things a little bit I'm gonna ask in a moment when we sing, there are gonna be several of our pastors down front here. Maybe i getting Cole into the mix this morning. Um, they're gonna be down front this morning. And if you, as we're singing, if you have never trusted Christ for salvation, you've never gone through that narrow gate that is Jesus, they're gonna be down here and we'd we'll love to talk you through that. And we even... Uh, I promise this is, I know, I feel like this sounds creepy, but there, through these doors, there's some extra rooms back there. All that is just that you can have like a quiet place to talk and not be standing right in front of the speaker and actually hear each other. They would love to take you back there and just talk through things with you. And maybe you're like, bro, I have no idea what he was saying up there. The Holy Spirit's working on, I, well, you wouldn't know it's the Holy Spirit. But you're like, something's going on in my life. I feel like I need Jesus. They would love to talk you through that, of what that means to trust him for salvation. Don't put it off. And I'm gonna ask you as believers this morning, I know this is what I need to do. Why don't we quite literally make this an altar? I believe decisions happen in hearts, not at altars, but sometimes doing something physical can be helpful, right? To kind of establish it and nail it in the ground. So maybe this morning, as a believer, you need to come down to the front of the altar and take a knee or whatever, maybe do one of two things. One, ask God to give you boldness and endurance and faithfulness on this narrow way that is difficult. Say, God, I need your help living out kingdom living. Remember last week, asking you will receive, so why not come ask? And the second thing as a believer, I think this is a call for us to share the gospel. How selfish and short-sighted of us knowing there's one way to heaven to not share that news with other people. If I knew this room was on fire, again, it's not, but if I knew it was on fire and I didn't tell y'all there was one way out and I just walked off the stage, shame on me. So maybe this morning you you can join me in coming down to the altar and just asking God for boldness and sharing the gospel. Can y'all do that with me? I'm gonna pray, our worship team's gonna come and then as soon as I get done praying, as soon as the music begins, I wanna ask you to respond. Again, there'll be pastors down front to talk with you if you wanna know Christ, if you wanna enter into the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you told us how to get to heaven. You don't leave us guessing. You don't leave us wondering. You don't leave us flailing about in the water trying to survive. You made a way. by giving us yourself. God, I pray for folks this morning, maybe they have played the church game for a while, they've been really religious, but they've never trusted you for salvation. I pray that today would be the day. God, that they would believe today. Lord, we don't know when our road runs out, when it takes a sudden turn towards eternity, so why would they wait? God, I pray that your spirit would just make clear in their life what you wanna do. And God, I pray for us as believers that we would, take heart on this narrow, difficult path and be encouraged by the few others that we have around us as we go throughout our day, but also, Lord, by the fact that we have a traveling companion the Holy Spirit to walk with us. And Lord, I pray that also during this time that we would be stirred to just think about who we need to share the gospel with, who we need to talk about the kingdom of heaven with, that you would give us a boldness to do that and God, the clarity to do that, even if it's just literally opening our Bible and sharing scripture. God, we love you, and I pray that as we respond, you would give us boldness. It's in your name we pray, amen. If y'all would, let's stand and let's respond right now. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.